Welcome to the What's Your Story podcast with Hannah and Stephanie. Each episode, we invite a guest to share real stories of real faith and a real God. Through hearing these stories, it is our hope that you will discover how God wants to use your story in His much bigger story. We all have a story. What's your story? We are so glad that you are here. On today's episode, as we wrap up our Hope series, we welcome our friend, Erica York. In March of 2020, when many of us were trying to understand what COVID was and to navigate that pandemic, Erica and her husband, Adam, got some very different medical news. Adam had begun to experience some pain that he could not explain, and before they knew it, he was diagnosed with cancer that would end up taking his life in just a few short months. Erica talks about how the Lord got her through that, how her girls got her through that, and how she has been able to smile again, to laugh again, and to find joy again, even with a broken heart. So we know that you are going to enjoy Erica's story, and we hope that you are encouraged by what she shares on the episode today. So without further ado, let's get to today's episode with Erica York. We are continuing our hope series. It's been, um, gosh, it's been fun. And you know, you were just saying before we hit record, like you've cried on every I've cried every episode, episode. everyone, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, you know, not that we're doing this to make ourselves cry, but hope is just it's so good. And these stories are beautiful, and um, not all tears are sad tears, and some of them are, and some it's it's a mix. But we have um, a sweet sweet friend of mine, a guest today, and she is here to share her story of hope. Um, man, y'all say hey to Erica York. <laughs> Welcome, Erica. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Tell us about yourself. Hobbies? Um, I wish I had some exciting hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were amazing. Tell people what you were doing just this morning. I mean, I pretty much, um, I'm a mother of two amazing girls. Um, I work out and go to car circle. That's pretty much my life. <laughs> I live in my car. I am a professional Uber driver that does not get paid. <laughs> That's what I do. Yes. So how long? We were meeting not long ago, and you were telling me how long you were in car circle, and I was like, shut up. It's, how- it's insane right now. My <laughs> afternoons are crazy. I eat lunch in my car, pack my lunch every day, <laughs> sit for a good solid three hours between sitting, driving multiple middle school girls home, and then getting the other girl, and then you got 20 minutes to come home, feed, and go to dance and it's, yeah. I live in my car. I put a lot of miles. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a season. It's a season. Yes, yes it is. I know there will be. And a I time. do tell parents you will miss it. Yes. I know you think you will not, but you will. You and will a, miss it. But it is, it's, who it's a rough season. Yeah. And I say that all the time because I know I'm going to miss it. I, my favorite part of the day is when all those middle school girls pile into my car yes. and the giggles and the stories and the laughter. And I mean, some days there's not laughter, but some <laughs> days they're on a rant and, you know, but that's, it's literally the highlight of my day driving those girls home. So yeah, oh my goodness. I, I, I put up with all the miles for it. But. Well, and you get to hear all of the details of all of the oh, stories. And yes. then, you know, one day they drive themselves and then you realize like, oh, I'm not getting, I'm not getting all the scoop anymore. Like yeah, nobody's telling me the things. The yeah, oh, so you have the tea. Yeah, yep. And you do learn these new words too. Like recently, mm-hmm. it was like, Mom, why are you throwing shade? And I was like, 
I don't even know what you're saying to me yeah, right now. But as soon as you learn it and use it, they're on to something else. And they're like, that was that's so, so last year. year. Why are you? Yeah. I, know. I said something. I was like, up. that's so lit. And they were like, no one nope. says that. Mm-hmm. No nope. one says lit mom. And I was like, listen, people. I used to say you. groovy all the time. It drove Markley crazy. <laughs> and so now Redefine has a new, like, you know, the 70s stuff is all in. Uh-huh. And it, there's a stay groovy t-shirt. So I'm like, oh, guess what you're getting? <laughs> <laughs> She's and like, the Mom, fashion, nobody right? says groovy. I know. Oh, it is so 90s fashion, the 70s. 70s. Like clueless. And these crop tops, I'm like, oh, girls. Mm-mm. And the middle no. parts with the straight hair. Yes. So 70s. I remember like, like watching oh. my cousins straighten their hair thinking, oh, I look just like you. And they looked like the girls do now. It's strange. Strange. Okay. Yes. So Kentucky, um, tell us about your faith journey. When did you first decide to follow Jesus? So mine probably doesn't look like most people that live in the Bible Belt where you grew up going to church. Um, mm-hmm. I lived with um single mom and my sister, and we moved quite a bit, so never really had a church home, didn't go to church much. It was hit or miss, you know, if we ever did. Um, she got remarried the end of my fifth grade year, going into sixth grade, and we moved. And at that point, life kind of settled down. And when I started at this new middle school, um, just fell into a great group of friends um, invited me to church and would go to youth group functions and things like that. And there was just something about them that was different. Of course, I didn't know at the time what that was, but I'm like, something's different about you. What, what is it? And so I actually remember it was um, the day before Christmas break you know, that you're not, teachers have checked out. You're not really doing anything yes, that girl. day. <laughs> True <laughs> story. I had asked one of the girls, I was like, what? Like, I I want what you have. So and how old are you at this time? Sixth grade. You're sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, And, you know, she was amazing and, you know, explaining to me what, what it means to be a Christian and salvation. And so I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior in the PE middle school locker room. <laughs> Oh, that's so amazing. Anywhere. I was in the middle school <laughs> locker room. <laughs> I love so. that. What a great friend yes, to be able yeah. to share that and with you at that age. So I think about it now a lot because my girls are that age. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I hope that they carry themselves in a way that people are like, something's different about you. That's you right. know, and mm-hmm. I hope that they're able to share yeah, yeah. what's I want what you have. Right. Share their mm-hmm. faith. That's amazing. So going from there, middle school, you become a new Christian in the sixth grade PE locker room. <laughs> that is awesome. What does yeah. growing in your faith look like now? Yeah. So um, continued going with with my friends. Um, you know, parents would some here or there, mm-hmm. um, but just really stayed active with that group all through middle school, high school. Um, and just, you know, we finally did find a church home with my yeah. family which was great to have all of us go somewhere. But. Yeah, so you were able to bring your family to church mm-hmm. with you. How incredible is that? So you went to college in Kentucky. I did. Murray State. State. We Murray just talked State. about that. So yeah. when did you meet Adam? We met in high school. Oh, okay. So yeah. we Back up. Um, high school sweethearts? Yeah, high school sweethearts. Oh, please Didn't tell us dating. how you met. <laughs> Didn't start dating until our senior year. Um, but crazy story. Freshman year, um, walk into PE class. I see him. We went to different middle schools, Mm -hmm. um, but fed into the same high school. Um, Super small county, so there's just one high school. (laughs) You're like, we didn't have really a lot of options there. (laughs) Uh, But I saw him across the gym freshman year PE, and I looked to my friends, and I said, 
I don't know how I know this, and I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to marry that boy. Like, just knew. Um, And then, you know, that was freshman year. We never really hung out together, kind of different crowds. Some of the same, but a little bit different. Um, Had classes here or there, but just never really talked till some are junior year, but then senior year kind of started talking more. Mm-hmm. started dating yeah so, so y'all are the same age yeah okay so yeah, yeah both, both graduated the same year both then went to murray state okay together um i went all four years to murray state um he went three years and then got accepted into optometry school a year early so my last year at murray state he was living in memphis okay. already in optometry school and then got married as soon as i graduated <laughs> yeah. um from murray state and then Got married and moved to Memphis with them, which was a big change from small town in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then you guys were in Memphis. Is that like three so year he was program? There four years. Okay. And I was there three and loved it. I mean, did those, you, were you teaching then? I did not teach. So okay. I went to school for teaching, but I did not teach. He was okay. like, Mm-mm, you're not teaching in not Memphis. Not in Memphis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so now I worked at St. Jude's. When we, oh, I did not know that. So that was another story. I worked at another place doing insurance for a while, and I just wasn't comfortable there. Some of the things going on, I was like, mm, I feel like I have to quit. This is not what I'm supposed to do. So I quit, which was scary because I was the only source of income. Oh, he was, yeah. You know, he was in school. And um, I got offered, I'd applied at St. Jude, and I'd applied at another hospital because I did insurance stuff like mm-hmm. through college and um, had worked in the medical field doing that. Um, and I got an offer at the hospital, the Methodist hospital. And I was like, I think I have to turn it down. I'm, I think I'm meant to work at St. Jude. And he was like, I'm trusting that you know what you're doing. So I turned it down and the next week got the offer at St. Jude and worked there. And I mean, I cried the day I left there. That Uh was a job that I woke up and was excited to go to work. Really? Mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved my coworkers. I loved what I did. Just, I loved it. So that's incredible. Such a heart, a work of the heart, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was an amazing time. We, you know, our time in Memphis, I just, I loved living there. It was so fun. And, you know, those first few years of marriage when yeah. you are completely broke and you're <laughs> really, you know. But yeah. Living on love, the, as they say. You are, but some of the best memories and times, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it was so much fun. I love, I loved that time. Yeah. Memphis. But we knew that's not where we wanted to raise our family. Right. Um, Addison was actually born in Memphis. Aww. So we set, that worked out. We were trying to have the child as close to his graduation as possible. Um, she was born a couple months before he graduated. Perfect. Like, I think it was like six weeks. So I took my six-week maternity leave, and then I actually went back to work at St. Jude. Because uh, after you graduate optometry school, there's a period of time before you actually get all your boards and stuff okay. and can practice. So I went back to work, and he was a stay-at-home dad for a couple He was months. a dom. <laughs> she was yeah. a, a daddy mom. Until, a um, she was four months old, then we Aww. moved to Clarksville. So you moved to Clarksville. So what brought you to Clarksville? Were just randomly applying to places? Or? So he actually, we pretty much knew, I think his sophomore year, his second year of optometry school, mm-hmm. um, his Sunday school teacher from his home church was an optometrist. Um, and he, I think, was in the same graduating class or at least knew 
Bart Lynn here yeah. in town. And Bart had mentioned to this guy, hey, we're kind of, we're going to be looking for someone in a few years. If you know anyone kind of coming up through. And he was like, I've got this great kid actually that grew up in my church and is in optometry school and will be graduating around the same time you're looking for someone. So <laughs> we had met with Bart early on in Adam's schooling and they hit it off. And um, we pretty much knew since the second year we we're going to end That's up in nice. Costa. So like a nice transition. You yeah. knew they stayed you in contact and things kept, you know, moving along. And yeah, we came here when we, we love it here because it is, you know, we were closer to home. We're right. just an hour and a half from family and we're big family people. But I always said an hour and a half is an amazing distance. Isn't it beautiful? We can go home. <laughs> we have tons of nieces and nephews. We can go home for every birthday party. But you know what? People are going to call before they show up. Yeah. True, they don't just drop in. Yes. That's right. A, it really is a great distance. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're two hours and 15 minutes from yeah. home. And it is this a wonderful distance. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Head up for the weekend, come back. Yeah. But then you're right; they have to call. Yeah, they're going to call. They're, they're going to just pop mm-hmm. by. They do not, and yeah, yeah, girl. The that cracks time me people up. People do, believe it or not. It happens occasionally, but if they're going to Nashville, and they're like, and, "Oh, <laughs> we'll just," and I'm like, "Oh, I'm not prepared for this." You're yeah. like, "Wait yeah, a second, what? but what are you doing here?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you guys moved here um, with a baby. With a baby, so it was a July Fourth. Weekend, July of uh, 2009, with a baby, four months old, and um, he stayed home. I think it was maybe about two more months he was still um, at home, so we were both at home till he started work, and then he went to work, and I was there with the baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when we first moved here, I didn't know, I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And I knew I wasn't going to make it being a stay-at-home mom, not knowing right. anyone. So we had first... when went to a church um, the first weekend we were here and we were like, uh, this isn't really what we're looking for. The next weekend we went to Hildale, mm-hmm. um, this couple sitting in front of us. I have a baby on my lap. And at the end of service, she turns around and she's talking to the baby and she's like, well, Hey, we just have a new life group starting up. Like you should come visit. It was Misty Gould. Who's now like my absolute best friend in the world. And we were like, sure. And we went to that life group and that's how we and it clicked yeah Yeah. and then she introduced me into mops and which was you know that's what it was back then right um and that was my way of connecting and just finding friends Friends, here and that was huge being a stay-at-home mom in a town you do not know you need support yes so Mm -hmm. mops was a huge part of absolutely first moved here yeah so good so then i know you know i don't want to fast forward too much but for sake of time um you know so y'all settled in bart and adam decide they're gonna become partners mm-hmm. he becomes partners um and develop sango eye care develop sango eye care and doing great there and getting to the point that they're they're busy mm-hmm. yeah so, and they're hiring other doctors yeah, and, and hired another, another location and to build the second location out at exit one which is called northfield mm-hmm. eye care um which that opened February of 2020. Bad time to open. That's yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Y'all have oh, another baby. We have another baby. Um, three months or three months, three years after Addison was born. Then we have another child, Audrey. Mm-hmm. Um, so staying yeah. at home with two girls and he's yeah. busy and business is growing. And he's a deacon at the church. At the Y'all church. have life by life. the tail. Life Everything's is, great. You know, from outside and inside, it was great we were everything's we, fine we, we went were, on a mission trip together yeah, and you tried some interesting was. food we had lots of laughs, <laughs> we started working out together and then 
So yeah. what happened? What happened? March of 2020. Most people know March of 2020 because that's kind of when the world shut down. Yeah. Um, but we were kind of living our own storm mm. at the time. First, quick disclaimer. <laughs> like, you know, this is just two and a half years out. So yeah. um, I have tackled my grief like yeah. head on, but still cry at times. So mm. as I recall some of this and share some memories, probably will cry. So, so sorry. <laughs> we're, <laughs> girl, we're, no apologies. we're all about that here. <laughs> yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Second disclaimer is, and I will try my hardest, but I catch myself like when talking about Adam, I go from past to present. Like I still, um, cause I mean, his memories are still very much alive. So mm-hmm. I will try, I still want to confuse people. Yeah. Because yes. I catch myself a lot still just talking about him in the present. So mm-hmm. just wanted to have that disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, March of 2020, the exact same week that, you know, world shut down around us because of COVID. Adam came home and was like, my hip is bothering me and it is really hurting. And that's unusual. Like Adam, he doesn't complain about stuff. Like he never sick, you know, so if he was complaining, I was like, "Mm, this isn't, you know, should get that checked out. But, you know, we had a home gym, we did CrossFit together all the time. And so I'm like, maybe you irritated it in the gym, but still probably shouldn't ignore it. Um, so got that checked out. Um, they originally told him it was sciatica to mm-hmm. rest and see if it got better. Um, did not get better. He was not sleeping. Um, pain was getting worse. Eventually there's fever and chills. So we know yeah. something's not right. Um, and my, and more in my mind, I'm like, maybe some kind of infection in that right. bone. I don't know. You know, so, um, after some additional te- testing, he came home one day and said the doctor had called him and was referring him to an orthopedic oncologist. And I was like, what do you mean oncologist? Right. What? Um, still thinking at that point, they're wrong. No, yeah. can't be. Um, go in for further testing. And so started March. Um, by May, we had the diagnosis of osteosarcoma bone cancer, um, and started chemo. Um, every, you know, chemo takes a toll on your body. We, and the chemo for, um, sarcoma, very intense. So we pretty much lived at Vanderbilt all the time for chemo and trucking along, doing everything we can. We're going to, you know, get this under control. Um, so that was in May by August, he had some scans done, um, and we found out at that point he was considered terminal. Uh, it had spread to his lungs, spine, clavicle. I mean, it was taking over his body at mm-hmm. that point. Um, you know, we after we found that out, we decided to not be super public with that information. Um, I think I had shared it had spread, but I didn't share to what extent. Um, we also had decided not to tell our children that um, just that we were going to change course um, for his treatment. And so he were, we were still trucking along, trying everything, but we just knew at that point everything we were doing was to prolong life. Um, but the, the cancer would eventually take his life. Um, but we, we did everything we knew possible. Um, I mean, 
up and went to Texas to MD Anderson looking for more opinions. And um, we'd actually then he had further testing, some genetic testing and found out he actually had de-differentiated chondrosarcoma, um, which is still a bone cancer, but also in the cartilage and a beast, uh, which makes sense why he deteriorated so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, Because after reading on it later, um, 99% die within one year of diagnosis. So, I mean, it's a beast of a cancer. Um, But so that, you know, August and then by, you know, he's deteriorating at this point, you know, go from being able to walk to going to a walker to then eventually a wheelchair. And then by November, um, under hospice care. So, um, and that was for two and a half weeks before his fate became sight on November 24th, (laughs) 2020. Yeah. Kind of crazy to like, yeah. So from March to November, so less than a year. I think about it now, when I think March to November, like that's crazy from diagnosis to that, that, you know, it happened like that, but in the middle of it, to me, it didn't feel like it was going that quickly. Cause I mean, he was suffering like mm-hmm. he, you know, to see my husband who literally, you know, right before we were in the gym, a few months before we were just in the gym working out together. Um, and so then to see him suffering and hurting one day felt like an eternity for me yeah. because it's so hard to see someone hurting and suffering. But looking back, I'm like, wow, that, you know, mm-hmm. that was a crazy, crazy time. And things happened at such a fast pace. Yeah. Well, and also I think it being 2020, I remember those of us who wanted to minister to you guys, it limited a lot of yeah. things. And, you know, um, it, it that was just a hard year for yeah, everyone, was- but particularly people who were needing med- medical care or needing their loved ones near or all of those things. And so, yeah, it, it, that was very difficult, but I would think even more difficult during 2020. Yeah. It, Cause you know, we were, we were very isolated, even in the very beginning, you know, wondering what, before we even had the diagnosis, wondering like what's going on, what's mm-hmm. hurting. This is whenever COVID is like, you don't leave your house. Right. That's right. Exactly. Shut down yeah. That's right. I mean, work. November of 2020, it was like, don't have Thanksgiving, don't have yeah. Christmas, don't, yeah. don't gather, don't. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and March, then on top right. of it, he's going through chemo. So it's really like, don't be around anybody. anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was a scary time because we mm-hmm. felt like we had to close ourselves off from the world. And, and then mm-hmm. your girls are home, right? Cause school uh-huh. had shut down. So mm-hmm. you're trying to do mm-hmm. all of those things. Yeah. Um, and you know, some crazy things whenever, uh, we were, whenever he came home under hospice care, well, then we had an exposure to COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, and so my girls, you know, that's when they were back in school, but because of the exposure, then they were back home. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, like, how am I going to do this? I'm caring for my husband. And also my kids are trying to do school at home, but, Looking back, I'm like, you know, that was, that was actually a blessing that they got were that there time and got to spend yeah. extra time because um, mm-hmm. he was only under hospice care for two and a half weeks. So it, you know, even that went went quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was a definitely a crazy time to be going through that in the middle of what the world was going through mm-hmm. for sure. 
So you shared before you started talking that you have processed your grief. Um, and I mean, grief comes, you know, I don't know that we ever completely no, process never, that, right? You, you never, never know. You don't get a certificate of completion <laughs> yeah, exactly. because you continue to go through it daily. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I had experienced grief before. This wasn't my first time to tackle it. I had lost my sister when I was 18. Mm. Um, I did not handle that grief well. I got stuck in what they call the denial stage. I didn't want to talk about it. I pretended, you know, if anyone brought up her name, I would get angry because I was like, we're not talking about this. Um, And then two years after the fact, it hit and it hit hard. Mm. Um, So, you know, after we lost Adam, I knew that I had to tackle my grief. I had no choice because I'm taking care of two girls. Right. The easy choice would have been to stay in bed and not do anything. That's yeah. what I wanted to do. Because you're in mm-hmm. your thirties. Yeah. Right. Like this is, this is supposed yeah, to happen when was, you're 80. Yeah. I was 36 when yeah. I lost him and I had an eight and 11 year old. So I had no choice, but to get up every day and take care of them, get them to school. So I knew the only way to, to do all that was to first take care of myself. Um, mm-hmm. cause I'm also, I have to get them through grief as well. They right. just yeah. lost their father. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was an amazing father. Yeah. He mm-hmm. was a very present father. Um, and so I knew if I didn't take care of myself, I wouldn't be able to take care of them. Um, so first thing I immediately got them in counseling cause that was going to be important for them. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I knew, I knew what it looked like to not handle your grief and I wanted them to handle it properly as well. So got them in counseling and then I went through a grief share program, um, uh, and uh, which I think is an amazing program, not maybe not for everybody and maybe not, you know, at different times, you know, cause it's mm-hmm. intense, at least when I did it, because, um, I was the only one in the class. <laughs> so it was like one-on-one and it was pretty, it mm-hmm. was pretty intense. Um, but I knew I had to to tackle it head on. Um, and really anger is what yeah. I dealt with the most. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm perfect. It still comes back. But anger, like, I just remember I would be driving and you would see a little couple, like, out rocking on their front porch and just, I would get so angry. Like, why? Why mm-hmm. do they have that? And it right. was taken from me. Um, so that was one I really had to work through. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how I did that was I was cleaning the attic one day and there was an old Barbie house that the girls didn't use anymore. And there was a piece broken on it. And so I was like, oh, I can't take this like to donate it anywhere because it's a hazard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I took it to the driveway with a hammer. And let me tell you, that was the best <laughs> therapy ever. Oh, girl. Uh, this is back when we lived um, at our, yeah, I have since moved. Um Take that Barbie again. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we lived oh. on a little dead-end road around some farmland, and the guy drove by on his tractor, and I'm out there beating a Barbie house <laughs> with a hammer. He just waved because, I mean, he knew my story. Yeah. <laughs> so he just waved and smiled and kept going. But that, um, that was some of the best therapy out there, and it was free and cheap, so That's it's great. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, but, yeah, grief is something you don't – you know, like I said, you don't get a certificate of completion. Um, it comes in waves. And so there's good days and bad days. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I still cry all the time, um, yeah. even though I've tackled it and, you know, I'm meeting it head on, but I'm still still yeah. going through it. And I know 
five years from now, 10 years from now, I'm still going to cry when I think about it and still going to be going through it because there's different (laughs) phases, you know, as my, especially watching the kids grow up and they come to different milestones and Mm -hmm. that's hard because, you know, it's it's not fair to them either. You know, their dad should be there with them. And so it hits at those times as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, just something that, you know, continue to carry with me. Yeah. You know, you, gosh, there's just so much that's going through my head right now. Um, you taught us lessons as well, like where we have failed as your friend, where we didn't maybe show up when we should have or care for you when we should have. And we didn't know how, and we didn't know what to say. And so, um, your grief helped us make, um, just to be better, better humans, better people. And so you were so gracious and kind to sit down and talk with us about what we could have done better and, um, very forgiving. Um, and so thank you for that, for forgiving us where we failed you. Um, and then to teaching us how to do a better job at loving you and loving people who are grieving and, um, girl, you had, you had our ears. And, and that was very challenging for me because yeah. I'm not a confrontational person or yeah. at, at all. Um, and I, you know, Hildale has been amazing to us. And, you know, while Adam was sick and I mean, getting us through that was amazing. There was always meals there for us and people were helping with our kids all the time. And I'm so incredibly thankful for that. Um, there did seem to be a little bit of a season, you know, it's like after he passed away, it was like, all right, we got her through that, you know, yeah. here you mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're on right. your own and is what it felt like to right. me for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having that conversation of, Hey, I still needed some help. I still mm-hmm. need support. This is when it's really hard right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was challenging. <laughs> well, I think that's a, that in and of itself is a great lesson, right? The fact that one that you were willing to know that you could say, Hey, yeah. like what's going on, you know, because many of us in a situation like that might not, you know, um, the fact that you didn't sit there and get angrier and angrier and feel worse about things, but were able to say, Hey, <laughs> um, still here, need help, need somebody. And and I think that's a hard place to get to. And so, you know, I think kudos to you for acknowledging, like, I can't, I can't do this by myself. Like, I'm going to need to reach out, you know? Yeah. Um, and I will say, I, and I know that there were so many people praying for yeah. me because I could feel it. I made 100%. That's what was carrying me through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so thankful. And I have no doubt that people were continuing to pray for me. It was just some some hands-on physical type stuff right. that I, you know, that I needed. And um, yeah. 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 Well, I think that, that like, let's think about, you know, we talk about all the time. We're talking about hope. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as Christians, as believers, clearly it doesn't mean life is a, you know, Better roses. No, like we yeah. will go through really hard things. And even you talking about your middle school friend that had something that you didn't have, you know, it's, it is a hope, but it's also a community. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's so important 
um, in my opinion, um, to be part of a body of believers, to have small group interactions, because every one of us will go through something at some time. If you know, it's a, it's cliche, but if you're either going through it, you've been through it, or you're about to go through it. I mean, that is what happens. And so without that group of believers to come alongside you and, and be there to support you like that. That's the thing I always think when, when people go through something as difficult as what you've lived through, how do you do that without your faith mm-hmm. and without your friends who share your faith that can come alongside and say, you know, yes, if their joy will come in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, there is going to be hope mm-hmm. in the future. So, and that's where I want to go now because I know, you know, that you have, grieved and have hurt, but I've also seen you smile a few times. And so I want to talk about that first day that it was like, okay, am I going to put myself back out there? And am I going to smile again? Yeah. And that was a choice that I had to honestly wake up and be like, you know what, I have to live my life. And, you know, my kids love them so much, but they have definitely, um, oh, wow. (laughs) They've taught me some lessons (laughs) through this, you know, Audrey, some of the things that she has said has just floored me and stopped me right where I'm at. But, you know, one night we were talking and we were talking about that day, November 24th, and how hard it was on us. And she said, you know, Mom, that day was so incredibly difficult for us. And it was the worst day of our lives. That was the best day of Daddy's life. Oh. He met Jesus face to face. Like, girl, wow, <laughs> yeah, right? oh my um, gosh, like to hear, you know. And at that point, she was nine. She had had a birthday. She was nine years old saying yeah. that. And so, on those days when it hurts and it's hard, I have to think, like, wow, that was an amazing day for him. Yeah. Like, the he's joy good. He he's experienced good. that day. Yeah, and I know with. Out a shadow of a doubt, he doesn't want me sitting here crying every single day. Mm-hmm. He wants me to live my life and to live it so the girls see that. I mean, if they saw me just crying all the time and not smiling and being happy right. and finding joy, then what's that teaching them? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, um, one of the first times we really, really experienced some joy was when Adam first got diagnosed. He knows I love to travel. <laughs> um, love Disney. Love Universal. Yes, girl. Yes. I am a friends. theme park junkie. <laughs> yes. um, so when he first got diagnosed, he said, when I'm better, are we going to go to Disney or Universal? And I said, both. We will celebrate big time. So I knew he didn't get the healing that I had hoped for. He was healed mm-hmm. in the arms of Jesus. So we took that trip um, to Disney and Universal, um, took my mother-in-law with us, and the four of us had fun. You know, we smiled and made memories together. And so it was um, it was a healing trip. And I think it was important for us to take, and I know that he would have been proud that we took that trip. Mm-hmm. Um so that that was the really the first big kicker of hey yeah. <laughs> you know it's okay to to live life and you know I want to make memories with my girls I want to yeah you know see them smile and um, that's been that's been huge <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know we we talk you know biblically being followers of Jesus we hurt we grieve but we don't grieve like those without hope mm-hmm. um, so it's like man you're in it and you're like will I ever Will I ever smile? Will I ever be okay? Whatever that looks like. And the truth is, yes, 
Yes, because we have hope and hope is Jesus and he's here to give us life to the fullest and to make all things new and to work things, you know, good for those that love him. So we we know those things, but it's like holding on to that truth while you are just falling apart, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, and I love uh, we we had another um guest on recently that lost her husband and mm-hmm. we we're talking about the the same thing. And she said, you know, it just dawned on me one day, he's laughing all the time. Why am I not laughing? <laughs> right? And I thought, that is so true. Yeah, you know? yeah she said, it is. She's he's like, I mean, he's having the time of his life. Having, yeah, <laughs> Yeah. I know that he would want that for us as well, for sure. So, yeah, smiling, yeah. It's, it's important. Yeah. It definitely is. So there's hope. Um, yes. And so how are things now? What's going on in your world? Yeah, so... Um, Things are, you know, we've had a lot of life changes since then. Um, We did have to move. And Mm -hmm. so selling our home that we had built together was incredibly difficult. But it was a decision that I didn't make by myself uh, with the girls. Um, Really, they were the ones wanting it for school zoning reasons. And so Mm -hmm. moving was incredibly difficult. But it's been one of the healthiest decisions that we've made. Mm living in that house, you know, cause Adam was under hospice care when he passed away. So sleeping was incredibly difficult for me in that bedroom. Mm-hmm. So having a new space and, you know, that's, that's been huge. So it's, it was a very healthy decision. Um, still challenging. So I had to, you know, pack up stuff and, um, that was hard. Um, uh, I have since started dating someone mm-hmm. and that's been, you know, that could be a whole nother podcast because <laughs> <laughs> um, that in itself comes, you know, it's, it's amazing, but that comes with some challenges. Um, so many people have been very, very supportive and have said the same things. You know, I'm happy to see you smile again, yeah. um, you know, yeah. but I'm not naive that there's judgment along with it. Cause people are like, how can, you know, what's that mean for, for you like but yeah. well it means i love two men <laughs> yeah um and that's that's hard yeah. for people to understand yeah. and honestly i and i wouldn't understand it if i wasn't going through it because um, mm-hmm. i remember it was probably like six months after adam had passed away someone said to me well when you start dating again and i just wanted to smack them across the face because yeah. i was like what do you mean i will never like absolutely mm-hmm. not but i remember my good friend had once told me, you know, God built us for relationships. So mm-hmm. don't let this define you and close yourself off. Like, um, so met an amazing man who is extremely, you know, understanding and supportive. Cause, um, I mean, it was literally after our first date, I said, you know, I just want you to know I'm always going to be in love with another man. And that's something you're going to have to live with. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, how he has not like just run away. I'll never know <laughs> some of the things I've said, like, um, but just incredibly understanding. And he's like, well, of course you will always love him. Like, absolutely. Um, but it's still, it's still challenging yeah. to know, mm-hmm. you know, that, um, I love two people. Yeah. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's hard to, it's hard for me to process. So I don't, I don't, you know, someone that else that doesn't understand, I don't expect them to. And mm-hmm. uh, because I'm, I'm going through it and I, I'm still yeah. struggling. Your with heart's it. big enough for that. I think, I mean, I, I think it God is. creates us for 
like yeah. you said, he for relationships and he, yeah, your heart's plenty big yeah, enough can, for that. It grow, it grows when you have children and yeah, you know, true. exactly. Um, each child you have, your heart mm-hmm, that's grows. True. And so yeah, mm-hmm. our heart is capable of, of growing and, and letting in new people. Yeah. yeah. And the hope of loving after loss. Yeah. It's a thing. You can do it. It is a thing. Um, And, you know, I think the key is finding someone that understands it because my, you know, my biggest fear is I've I've lost Adam and I don't want to lose him again with Mm -hmm. the memory. So Mm -hmm. memories are important to me. I Mm -hmm. talk about Adam all the time, uh, not just for me, but my children as well. So there's pictures of Adam up all around my house and always will be. And I'm always going to talk about him um, because... I don't want to lose them again. I've got to keep that alive. And those memories are, are so important. So, um, finding someone that can understand that and not just say they understand it, but Mm -hmm. truly understand it. And, you know, we'll talk to the girls about, well, what did your dad do? You know, and trying to help keep those memories alive as well. Um, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm very happy for you. I will Thank say you. I am one yes, of the, I mean, the, I'm the, in the camp of you go girl. I yes. was so happy to see it and I'm happy to continue to see how, you know, happy he clearly makes you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. You d- yeah. you deserve happiness. You, you know, you deserve yeah. that. And Adam would want you 100%. to be happy. I mean, absolutely. I know that without a shadow yeah. of a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess, you know, for, folks that are grieving, whether it's over a death or a divorce or a loss or, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of grief, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And you've gone through this twice, you know, and I've heard you say, I did it wrong the first time. I feel like I did a little better with it this time, if that's fair to say. Yeah, I I think fair to say, but I think too, everyone's grief journey looks different. So Mm -hmm. it's really, I mean, I say I did the first one wrong, this one better. uh, But I don't know if there's really any right way, right way or wrong way. It's just going to look different for everybody. And and that's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's not, you know, it's not a straight line to the finish line. It's going to go up and down and twist and turns and curve every which way. Um, But you just kind of keep moving forward. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I was hoping to go with that is that it, there's no formula. Mm -hmm. There's no formula for grief. There's no formula for hope. (laughs) Um, other than we do know that all our hope is in Jesus and, and that it's so important to turn to him in that. And, um, we've talked about several times on the podcast, you know, I I say throw, but we throw Bible verses at things sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's always helpful. (laughs) So I did want to ask, were there times early on um, that well-meaning, well-intentioned believers may have said things too soon or that you kind of were like, I don't, I don't want to hear that right now. Like, can we talk about that for just a little bit? Yeah, there's definitely been a few things that, you know, well, everything happens for a reason. Mm. Why do people say that? That is not what you say when you're in the middle of it. Let me not say that. Um, And surprisingly, one that you know, gets me is when people are like, Oh, you're so strong. Mm. No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's been his strength that has gotten me through this. He's literally picked me up and carried me through this. Mm-hmm. And you also haven't seen me on my bathroom floor crying. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I have broken down many, many times and still do. I can just mm-hmm. be driving and, you know, a song will come on or a memory and it can be the most random 
thing and it will knock me down. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I was talking to someone a couple weekends ago about this, but it was, you know, one of the breakdowns I had the first time I went to go eat by myself and I just broke down right there in the middle of Chili's restaurant by myself crying in a booth because I was there eating by myself and my husband should have been there. So no, I'm not strong. Um, So yeah, that's kind of a surprising one, but that just was another one. And I think too, what people don't understand with grief is they try to dance around it Mm -hmm. too. You know, like one of my favorite things is when people bring up Adam whenever they share stories with me. And, you know, most people think, oh, well, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to upset her. Or, and yeah. it's okay if you, it upsets me. It's mm-hmm. okay if you share a memory with me and I cry because mm-hmm. I think crying is healthy. It's okay. Um, and I love to hear his name. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I love the memory. So um, don't don't shy away from talking about our loved ones that we've lost. Like, yeah. it's okay. We want to hear, we want to hear the stories. We want to hear their name. Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. It is. I want to know what, what have you learned about God through, through this time in your life that you didn't know before? I mean, just further proof that God is constant. I mean, he has been a constant in my life um, through the ups, through the downs. He's always been there. And mm-hmm. even when I've may not see it in the moment when you're rock bottom and you don't see it right then. But looking back, you can see all the pieces and how it worked together and that he's there. He's constant. And I love that he can handle our emotions. Right. Like oh, we can have a come like apart all over him. Yeah. I love that he's like, girl, take the hammer to the Barbie house. Right? Like it's okay. It. it is okay. And yes. we were in life group yesterday talking about, we were reading, you know, reading the passages in Luke talking about how little there is about Jesus as a child, as a boy, yeah. other than, you know, he gets lost. He gets right? lost. Exactly. <laughs> and so, we, you know, we were saying like, did, did he stomp his foot? Cause he didn't get what he wanted or did like, what, what was he like as a child? And I don't know why it just, it had me all day yesterday thinking about all the emotions that we have. And I'm like, he was fully human. So Jesus had to have some emotions. Yeah. Like he had to, he had to know, you know, kind of what we experience with all that. So Anyway, that just it, it just gives me further confidence the more I think about that that like he he understands. He just gets us. He, he does, does get us. And he I is, bet he told yeah. the best jokes ever. Yeah. <laughs> Erica, you love dad jokes and just jokes. I do and love so dad jokes. I can't tell you how many times Stephen will be like, You next time you see Erica, tell her this one. And I'm like, I need to start writing this stuff down because I don't remember. I still have some of those in my notes. Like because I'm the I'm the worst. Like I love jokes, but I can't remember them unless I write them down. So, I'm gonna tell him that you said that. Yeah. He will be so honored. I have a few of them in my notes <laughs> just so I can remember the dad jokes. He's <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> Awesome. The best medicine, right? Yeah, it is. good. Yeah. Well, anything else that you want to be sure that you say that, um, you know, you want our listeners to hear as we kind of wrap up your story? Um, yeah, just, you know, we all go through things. We all have different hearts. They look different. But the, I think the biggest thing is you can't let that define you. It's part of your story, but it's not the end of your story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. It's a good word. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. We are so grateful to Erica and to all the others that have been a part of this Hope series. I have been stopped in the grocery store. I have gotten text messages. I have gotten emails from many of you sharing with us how much you have enjoyed hearing these stories. 
If you know the folks that have shared these stories on air, would you reach out to them and let them know that you appreciate their vulnerability, their willingness to share things that have been difficult for them? Because through our stories, we can all see God's goodness and evidences of hope all around us. We hope that you'll continue to tune in each and every week. If you have not already subscribed to the podcast, do that so you don't miss an episode. We love reviews. So leave us a five-star review. Leave us some comments on wherever you listen to the podcast and let us know you're out there and what it is you might like to hear in the future. We cannot wait to be with you again next week with a brand new episode. We'll see you then. (music) 